we've been in a series uh, entitled Supernatural. And in the first sermon, we talked about the pathway to power, that God has made available to you his power. He wants to get it to you, and he wants to get it through you. And so we hope you'll listen to those messages. If you want to go online at WhitleyChurch.com, you can listen to those messages for free. If you struggle with your sleep, plug it in about 11 o'clock at night. It'll put you right out, all right? Um, if you want to listen to the messages, you can do that at no charge online. If you want to purchase a CD, we have a media table out in the foyer, and you just fill out one of the order blanks, and then your uh, CD will be available. And I noticed this morning there's a ton of CDs out there, so you guys who have ordered those, you can pick those up this morning. Uh, there was um, an occasion in Jesus' ministry when the disciples encountered a young boy who was possessed by a demon. And they went up to him as they had done many times before, and, and they did whatever it is they did and probably laid hands on him and prayed um, over him in Christ's name and um, prayed that the demon would come out of the boy, but it did not. The boy was not delivered, and the disciples were confused because Jesus came right up behind them and did virtually the same thing they did, yet when he did it, the demon was cast out, and the boy was cured of this. And so they looked at Jesus and said, why were you able to do this, and we were not able to do it? And Jesus said, because of your lack of faith, he said, and also... There are some things supernatural that will not happen in your life until you mix fasting with prayer. Fasting. So we're talking about fasting. And uh, we've discovered in this series, um, as we look at the Christian discipline of fasting, that it really is far more important to God that we fast than maybe we thought i got to tell you, when I, when I got into the Matthew 6 thing that I'll talk about in just a minute, I, was, um, I came to some revelation in my own life, and I realized something about fasting that in my whole over 30 years of ministry had never really noticed before. And uh, fasting is very important to God. We learned that when you pray, there are two things God is looking for when you pray. He isn't looking for your posture how your posture is, and, and, and the Bible talks about posture, but I think uh, when the Bible talks about kneeling or when it talks about just laying um, before the Lord, just laying out on the floor before the Lord or, or standing with your hands lifted or whatever, I think, I think that posture is to help us, the outside posture physically, is to help us get that posture internally. Uh, does that make sense? I, I don't think it matters to God whether you're kneeling or standing or what, but I think what we do in our posture helps us to open up to God. I don't know about you all. If a guy sticks a gun in my ribs and says, stick them up, I'm going to stick them up. And when I stick them up, I want him to understand what that means is I surrender all, all to you, sir, ma'am, whatever. I surrender all. And I think when we, in church, want to express our surrender all, I think, I just, I just like to lift my hands as if to say, God, I, 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 um, 
I surrender to you. Take my life. Take over my life. So I think our physical posture in worship kind of helps us get internally where we need to be. Um, But we don't judge you here at this church based on what you do during worship. Uh, Some people may be very outward with worship. Some people may be very um, introverted or reserved in their worship. We don't judge you where you are with God based on how much noise you make or how much you move around or, or that. That's you and God. What we do try to do here is create an environment where you can worship God openly or very quietly and everybody's comfortable. Um, so when God looks at our prayers, I think he looks at two things. I, I think he doesn't look at the length of them or the eloquence or, the, or, or how argumentative we can be or persuasive we can be in our prayers. I think what God looks for is faith that we would believe that he loves us and that he cares for us and that even though what we're praying for in this prayer might not be answered the way we were kind of thinking it would be, we trust God to know he knows what's best. And so I think that's faith. And then I think fervency. And, and fervency, contrary to a lot of people down south, doesn't mean loud and fast. So God isn't concerned with the volume of your prayers or how fast you pray them. You heard those loud fast ones? I could do it for you, but it's the early service, so I won't do it for you. But um, fervency just means... Um, a soberness of mind, a seriousness when we pray. And, and God looks for that. And we've learned that fasting communicates, when we do fasting with the right heart, it communicates to God that I believe, I have faith in you, and it communicates to God, I am fervent about this. I am serious. I mean business. In this prayer. And I love what the old preacher said. God does business with people who mean business. And we've looked at three things. Or actually we've looked at two things. And today we'll look at the third thing. And then we've got a very powerful uh, demonstration at the end of this service. Of um, what supernatural works of God can can, uh, do in your life. If you'll open the door to the supernatural and not be afraid. Two weeks ago, we studied the who of fasting. We asked who is supposed to fast. And we found out in Mark 2 and in Mark 6 that Jesus, this is so important that you guys get this. Now, I know I've said it a lot of times, but Jesus presupposes that we're going to fast. Jesus assumes that if you are a Christian, from time to time, you're going to fast. Now, what I hope will come out of this 21-day fast, and if you haven't been fasting, you've you got a little bit more time left, please, please connect in with us. Go to, go, you say, well, I don't really know how. Well, we've been teaching on it and, and all of that, and, and, but go to, go to awake21.org, awake21.org, and there's just all kinds of excellent advice and information and ways that you can fast. It will make a difference in your life. But we discovered in Mark 2, Jesus said, when the bridegroom is with you, you don't fast. And Jesus was with them in the flesh at that time. He said, but a day will come when the bridegroom has been taken away. He said, and when the bridegroom's been taken away, and that was Jesus, then you will fast. And so Jesus ascended into heaven. It was at that moment that fasting needed to become a, a regular discipline in the life of all believers. 
And so Jesus said, when the bridegroom is taken away, they, us, the disciples, my followers, will fast. Then Jesus said in Matthew 6 that there were three basic disciplines of a believer's life. Giving, generosity, praying, and fasting. Jesus said, not if you give, but when you give. When you give. And let me just say something very quickly about giving. I, I want to call on you as I call upon myself and my wife to be faithful during the time of economic crisis. Read the story over in the Kings, the writing of the Kings. I believe it's Second Kings around chapter 7 over there where Elijah was faithful during the famine. And when he was faithful during the famine, God took care of his man. And God will take care of you during economic difficulties if you remain faithful to him. Pay God first. Pay God first. And pay yourself second and pay all your bills last. Amen to that. <laughs> Say, man, I'm just doing what my preacher said, dude. Um, and you be faithful to God. You be faithful to God. And God will take care of you. He'll see you through this economic crisis. He'll see you through it. And, and, and what better way to testify than for the world outside the church to look at the church and say, how do you continue to prosper while, while the rest of us suffer? What a great testimony that is. Because that opens the door for us to say, well, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And give your testimony. Don't point at them and say, you ought to do this and you ought to. Look at them and go, man, you make up your own mind, but I just got to tell you what Jesus did for me. And then when you do that, chances are they're going to say, what must I do? And then you get to lead them to Jesus. What a great, great opportunity. So Jesus said, when you give, don't give to be seen of men. Don't do it showy. And then he said, when you pray, he said, don't do your private prayers in public. He said, don't, don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to be heard of men. He said, and when you fast. He put giving and praying and fasting on the same level of importance. I, I got to tell you guys something. I've not been doing that in my preaching. I've not been doing it in my own life. I mean, I might fast a half a dozen times a year. But I got to tell you, I'm going to change that this year. This, this fast, this 21 days and getting into this study has really spoken to my own personal life. And I hope what you will do is just from time to time, don't even tell anybody, don't tell anybody. You might share with your spouse just so they will know. But just pull aside. I mean, and you don't have to go hardcore and kill yourself or anything like that. Just... Just, you know, have breakfast and lunch and then say, I'm not going to eat anything till the next day. Because i got to tell you something, man, that's, that's the toughest time for me. 10 o'clock at night, I hear peanut butter calling me. I ain't lying. Farrell, I'm crunchy. You know, and so that's my toughest time. Are you all with me? Man, I can get, I, honestly, I can do great to about 2.30, 3.30. I, I can do good on... on uh, some jacked up coffee, but uh, I, uh, I tell you, man, at night, 
So ha- have, have a breakfast and, and have a, a regular lunch like you use it. And just leave your dinner meal off. And, and, and you know what? Think about your little kids sitting there at the table and daddy's not at the table. And they go, mama, where's daddy? She says, daddy is praying. What a testimony to your children. What a testimony to your children. They will never forget that. They will never forget that. Daddy's praying. And then, you know, mama can fast and you can go, uh, the kids will go, Daddy, why are we eating this garbage? <laughs> and, uh, and Daddy can say, because I cooked and mama's praying. <laughs> and they'll say, I liked it better when mama cooked than you were praying, you know. So. <laughs> and another reason we knew we ought to fast is because we saw that Jesus fasted and we just, you know, being the geniuses we are, we um, said, well, Jesus fasted, wonder if I should fast. And the answer to that was, duh. If Jesus needed to fast, what do y'all think? You think I might need to fast? If Je- Yeah, well, okay. All right, and then we looked at the how of fasting, and I won't go into all that because it's, it's all on that website, and uh, we've got handouts available of a lot of the material on that, hand, uh, on that uh, website. So as you're leaving this exit and this exit and also at the Guest Welcome Center, you can pick up those notes from last Sunday's sermon and uh, hear those. Let me give you very quickly because we do have a a very powerful presentation at the end of our service. Let me give you very quickly six reasons why we fast. Why we fast. I'll give you those quickly. Um, First of all, just let me say that fasting does not buy the blessings of God. You don't fast and then go, all right, I've been fasting. You know, hey, up there. I left off my favorite meal. Bring it on. Fasting doesn't buy the blessings of God. Fasting doesn't manipulate God to feel obligated to you. Uh, You could fast the rest of your life and never fast enough to pay all he's done for you. Isn't that the truth? Fasting is ultimately for the glory of God. But when we fast thinking that I'm going to fast and then I'm going to come to God and kind of use that as leverage with God, that's legalism. So we don't want that. You will never get God indebted to you by fasting. Here's what fasting does. It brings faith into focus. It kind of is like taking a a beam of a flashlight and bringing it down to like a laser beam. It just focuses your faith. It makes your faith more concentrated. Andrew Murray, and I would recommend that you get any book you can by Andrew Murray and read it. Um, All his writings are powerful. He said, fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even to sacrifice ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom and the glory of God. So when you fast, you might have, been, you might have said, oh, well, Pastor, I, I guess I misunderstood. I've been fasting for my child, or I've been fasting for a missionary, or I've been fasting for a situation or for a job situation. No, that's fine. That's fine. But all of that ultimately is for the glory of God. You want your child to follow God. You want to get in a job where you can be all that God wants you to be and have the peace of God on that job. That, that's fine. All of that will bring glory to God. Just so your fast is for the glory of God. Let me give you these six things. And I've got five in your notes, 
but I, I found a sixth one, so you get to write that on the back. All right, number one, fasting, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but let's reemphasize. Fasting will um, strengthen your prayer life. It's like, uh, it's like your prayer life on steroids. I mean, it will, it will just kick you up a notch in your prayer life. It will make your prayers, um, I don't know exactly how to describe it. Uh, do you know what it means to pray when it's kind of dry? I mean, you're praying. Have you ever prayed and it just kind of hits the ceiling and falls, hits the ceiling and falls? Um, and you just feel like nobody's hearing you and God isn't hearing you. Well, that's not true. And you can't go by your feelings when you pray. God hears all your prayers. He hears all of them. There's no prayer God has never heard. There's some maybe that were out of his will or, or whatever, but, but he hears all prayers. So, so he hears you. But, but if you will fast, I like what the old black preacher said. He said it will make your prayers juicy. Amen. I mean, that's the opposite of dry, isn't it? And so, so um, when you fast, it just, it just creates, a, a, it adds to, um, I don't know about you, but when I pray, I need to, I need, there needs to be some emotion involved. There needs to be, an, I, I need to feel, I need, I need, to, I need to cry out of a, of a stirring in my soul. And sometimes when I don't have that stirring and I'm praying and it's like, I mean, sometimes I should open my eyes to see if dust is coming out of my mouth because it just feels so dry. But if you just fast, it'll break that. Does that make sense? Um, in the book of Ezra, and you might have thought Ezra didn't have anything for you, but Ezra does. Matter of fact, you ought to read the book of Ezra because Watergate is in Ezra. <laughs> Everybody's going to go home and read Ezra now, I hope. Ezra 8, 22 through 23 Here's what happened. Ezra was traveling, and I'm not going to give the whole story there, but Ezra needed to make sure there was protection, and he was about to ask the king for protection, and he said, I can't ask the king for protection because I've been boasting about my God, just like we sung in the song today. I've been boasting about God, so how stupid would that look for me to go to this king who hasn't believed in my God yet and say to him, my God is awesome and he'll do anything, but I need you to protect me. So he said, I'm not going to tell him to protect me. So here's what he did. He said, I was ashamed to ask the king to send soldiers and cavalry to protect us against enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king that our God takes care of everyone and punishes everyone, anyone who refuses, um, takes care of everyone who truly worships him, but that he gets very angry and punishes everyone who refuses to obey. We're in the Old Testament now. Verse 23 so we went without food. So rather than asking this king who didn't know God for protection of the people of God, in order to keep, listen, listen, to keep his testimony intact, y'all with me? He said, instead of asking this king for cavalry and soldiers, I'm just going to fast and trust God to give me protection. So he went without food, verse 23 and ask God himself to protect us, and he what? Answered our prayer. So it strengthens your prayer life. Fasting strengthens your prayer life. Uh, number two, fasting subdues the flesh. Um, we're carnal. We're born bent toward evil. We have a carnal sin nature. And so, so we, we have to war with that. Matter of fact, there are three things you war with. Sin, which denotes the world system. 
self, which denotes your own carnal desires, and Satan. So we battle sin, self, and Satan every day of our lives. And that, that world system is just selfishness. It's just, it's just um, self first. Whatever it takes, whoever you got to step on, whoever you got to lie to, whoever you got to do whatever to, to get where you want to be, um, then the world says, do it. So we battle that, we battle that pressure on us. And then there's a battle in us because we have our own carnality, our own, you know, when Adam sinned, the sin nature, the, the propensity and desire to do evil was put in us. So you're not born, you're not born into the world wanting to do good. You're born into the world very selfish. Do you have to teach children to go, man, no, that's very natural. <laughs> and so that's that nature, that sin nature. They're, they're not generous. They're very, um, they're very selfish. And so, um, so fasting brings that under control. Fasting also wars against Satan himself, and we'll look at that one in just a minute. Ezekiel, and you might not have thought Ezekiel had anything for you, but Ezekiel 16, 49 says, look... This was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Remember Sodom? Las Vegas in the Old Testament. She and her daughter, and now he's going to list the sins of Sodom. I don't know about y'all, but when I think of Sodom, I just think, you know, unbridled sin, transgression. And he lists four things. Pride. What's the next one? Hard to say, ain't it? Because you are thinking about Bojangles even now while I'm preaching. Pride, fullness of food. Look how, look how he puts that in there. Are y'all, y'all love me? Pride, fullness of food, abundance of idleness, which means just doing things that have no eternal consequence, just all hooked into stuff that has no eternal consequence. I mean, you, you saw to go through a day and ask yourself, how much did I do today that had to do with eternity? Most of the stuff we do through the course of a day all has to do with this temporary little life we have down here. Isn't it the truth? Idleness. And then he said, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So they didn't care anything about hurting people. There's four sins of Sodom, and right in the middle, one of them is fullness of food. Wow. I skipped a verse up there in, uh, under that first point, Joel 2.12. Let's go back and look at that one. Guys, I'm sorry. Stick that one up there. The Lord says, even now come back to me with all your heart. With all your heart. Everybody say, with all your heart. And then he said, to, to show me that you're doing it with all your heart, go without food. Isn't that, a, isn't that something? So if you want to show God that you are after him with your whole heart, one of the ways to do that is fasting. Go without food and cry and be sad. Now, when he says that, he doesn't mean be depressed. He means, be, he means again, be sober and serious. Number three, fasting stems the tide of God's judgment. If you have committed a sin, if you've committed a sin, then, then our daddy God is going to correct us for that, isn't he? If we commit a sin, we're going to go through correction because he loves us. And correction is painful. 
And correction can be rough. And if you've committed a sin and you won't own up to it, you make the, you make the correction more severe in your life. Because God loves you so much that he's going to bring correction as severely as he needs to to get you back right with him because he, wants, he knows that's what's best for you. Now, a lot of preachers aren't going to get up here and talk about the judgment of God, and they're not going to talk about the correction of God, and I wouldn't either if it wasn't in the Bible. But it's in the Bible. It is part of who God is. You are not a good parent if you do not discipline your children. Undisciplined children, they feel unloved. They don't feel like you care about them. Now they, the children who are here now, are again what I'm saying. Again, again it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all missed that one totally, didn't you? Y'all, on the way home, y'all go, oh, I know what he meant now. You'll break out laughing. Uh, but they are against, the kids are against what I'm saying right now because they're like, no, 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 no. I don't want, if they won't discipline me, I will love them more. I don't want them to discipline me. Listen, dumb, dumb. Discipline is love. I look back on my daddy danced with me and my mama danced with me and neither one of them liked dancing. And I didn't like their kind of dancing. Because I'm talking about they spank. They believe in spanking. I know. Don't throw anything up here at me. I know we're living in modern day where we don't do that kind of thing anymore. And I can tell. But (laughs) you don't have to tell me you don't do it. I know. Um, But the reason I'm a preacher, the reason I love Jesus, the reason I'm standing up here in this pulpit today is because my mom and daddy knew how to dance with me. Let me tell you something about dancing with your kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say dancing. If you do it like you ought to, you won't have to do it much. Because they'll go, you remember, and you you want me to, mm." (laughs) ain't that the truth? So, So if you've sinned and you know judgment's coming, you say, well, where's that in the New Testament? I'm so glad you asked me Hebrews 12. And we're not going to go there, but just go to Hebrews 12 and read it. It says, it says, your father is going to chasten you if he loves. He it says the devil doesn't even spank God's kids. I mean, God doesn't spank the devil's kids. Got that backwards. God doesn't spank the devil's kids. That's why sometimes it looks like unbelievers are doing better than we are. See, they are on a charge it program. We're paying as we go. So that when we stand before God, God looks and goes, oh, paid in full, come on in. They're laying it away. The Bible says it. The Bible says they are, they are uh, I can't remember the exact terminology, but they are, they are laying away or putting away the day of wrath. Because that day will come. Judgment's got to come. It's who God is. I don't know how y'all are, but I like the payment plan as I go. So when I stand before him, I'm paid in full at the end. So Jonah, y'all remember Jonah? The people of Nineveh believed God, Jonah 3, 5. And Jonah didn't want him to believe him. What a great evangelist. You want to get this guy in your church to do a revival, don't you? He comes and tells you to get saved. Everybody gets saved and he gets mad. Jonah got mad and said, "I I thought you were going to kill him. God said, no, if they repent, I'll save them. He's like, oh, man. I mean, that's the guy you want, isn't it? 
So the people of Nineveh believed God. They announced that they would stop eating for a while. So the people at Nineveh received God in their life and believed him. And immediately after that, they went on a fast. Wow. What if we looked at new converts and said, I am so glad you gave your heart to Jesus today. Now don't eat for the next week. But that's what they did. They announced that they would stop eating for a while. And they put on rough cloth to show their sadness. Again, that word means soberness and, and, and their seriousness. And all the people in the city did this from the most important one in the city to the least important. Everybody fasted. Look what happened. Jonah 3.10, five verses down. When God saw what the people did, that they stopped doing evil and they were fasting, he changed his mind. He said, I'm not going to nuke them. That's a good thing. I mean, he could, like them bug zappers, man. He could, I mean, y'all understand that, don't you? When God saw what the people did, that they stopped doing evil, he changed his mind and did not do what he had warned them he was going to do. He did not punish them. Fasting stems the tide of God's judgment. So if you have sinned today, repent, turn your back on that sin, do restitution with whoever you got to do restitution with and make it right, and then go somewhere and fast, and that will hold off some of, you say, hey, I'm liking this fasting better. Number four, fasting stops the enemies of God. And I'm not going to read these scriptures because we don't have time, but y'all remember the story of Jehoshaphat, don't you? And he was surrounded by the enemy. And the Bible says that when, when, the, when the watchman on the tower came and told Jehoshaphat, you're surrounded by the enemy, Jehoshaphat called all the people of Judah together. And the very first thing he did was proclaim a fast. And the people fasted. And the Bible says in the, in the text, go home and look this up, they set themselves to seek the Lord. I love that terminology. Because sometimes you've got to set yourself. Sometimes you don't feel like seeking the Lord. And you have to just set yourself to seek the Lord. You have to just, in those dry times, set yourself to seek the Lord. If you only seek the Lord when you feel like seeking the Lord, you will not seek the Lord very often. You have to go against feeling and know this is the right thing to do. And they set themselves to seek the Lord. And the Bible says that God told Jehoshaphat to create this choir. And he said, and get the choir to sing this little chorus over and over and over. Um, uh, great is the Lord and his mercy endures forever, uh, forever and get them to sing that over and over again and just run right straight into the enemy's camp. And Jehoshaphat said, will you go over that with me one more time? He said, I want you to sing. I want you to sing going into, that's why we sing, guys, because when we worship, it disorients the enemy. The enemy gets confused. That's why it's important that when you worship and when you sing on Sunday morning, do it with your whole heart because the enemy cannot stand it. I believe if we could see what goes on spiritually when we are worshiping God, we would see a war going on for every worship service we have here. But when we sing and do not hold back and we worship and do not hold back, you pave a path for the declaration of the word of God. You make my job easier when you sing. See, that's why I get all into it up here when I'm singing because I know I got to preach. And I want the devil out of here when that starts. And so the Bible says they sang and they ran right into the enemy's camp. Well, 
when they ran into the enemy's camp, their voice began to bounce off all the mountains and, and, the, and the people down in the camp. You've got to read the story. They ought to make a movie about it. <clears throat> and, and the choir was singing, and I've heard choirs that could defeat an army. I mean, I've heard some bad choirs. Well, we, we didn't hear our choir this morning, but our choir is awesome. Uh, you know, at church I told you all about that I rode by it, had a sign out front, and it said, uh, the pastor's sermon was titled, What Hell is Like, and underneath it had in parentheses, come early to hear the choir practice. And uh, <clears throat> I've heard that choir. And so, and so uh, they came and sang and just went right into the enemy's camp singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And they were singing, and when they got there, those guys had unsheathed the sword and become so disoriented because that's what praise does to the enemy, they killed each other. So praise defeats the enemy of God. Number five, fa or, or fasting rather, uh, defeats the enemy of God. Fasting also, number five, supplies the believer with wisdom. Anybody here need wisdom? Okay. Uh, look what it says. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Look at this combination here in this verse. Look at this combination. Worshiping the Lord and fasting. 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 While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, God spoke. I don't ever hear from God. I hear all these people saying they hear from God. I never hear from God. Worshiping the Lord and fasting, worshiping the Lord and fasting, God spoke into their life. Y'all with me? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had what? Fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Number six, faith shatters strongholds. Now, this is the one you don't have in your notes, so you're going to have to write it. And then the scripture reference for this one is the Isaiah scripture right down at the bottom. Faith shatters strongholds. So I don't know what you're battling with, and I don't know what's got a grip on you, and I don't know what you've done to get that grip off you. You might say, well, I went to this lady, and she kind of specializes in deliverance prayer, and I went to this person, and they kind of do, and they kind of do, you know, and, and I went to this service, and I went to this special prayer meeting, and all that stuff, and I thought if he prayed for me, or I thought if I came under that teaching, and all that's good. I'm not against any of that. But a lot of times, God isn't waiting for you to go somewhere. He's waiting for you to do something. And the thing you might be waiting for you to do is fast. Because, man, I'm telling you, Isaiah is crystal clear here. Look what he says in Isaiah 58, 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Here it is. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed say it, go free, and that you break every yoke by the what? The fast. So guys, when I talk to you about fasting, if you've got in your mind that this is for other people, that this is not something you do, then you are so, so wrong, so wrong. Now this morning, we have a very powerful demonstration testimony. I'm going to ask the band, you guys just come on up, the band can come on up, and um, I want you to pay close attention what's about to happen because the supernatural power of God has worked gloriously in the lives of some people in our church. And they're going to testify about that today in a very unique way, a very different way. So I want you to um, watch very carefully. Those of you who are on the very outer edges, you might want to scoot in just a little bit so you can make sure you see everything that's going on. Okay, so let's pray.
Father, thank you so much for this um, amazing opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, O oh God, for these very clear um, principles that we've looked at today, what fasting does in our life. And God, as we testify of, of what we've needed in our life and what you've provided for us in our life, uh, we just pray that it will move the hearts of the people. We pray that somebody who is out here this morning will see their testimony or see how God has met the need that they want God to meet in their life and that it will serve as an inspiration to their faith. And Father, we commit ourselves to you today as we give this testimony. We know that the word of God says that we defeat the enemy by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. And so, Father, we offer this with great joy to you today. In Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Keep your seats. While I'm waiting 
head, bold and confident. I'm taking every step in obedience while I'm waiting. I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship while I'm Taking every step in obedience. Yeah, while I'm waiting, I will serve you while I'm waiting. I will worship. power 
that does miracles in our lives every day. We thank you for these who stand here before this congregation, unashamed to hold up and say, God forgave me, or I'm no longer an addict, I'm no longer an adulterer. Because of Jesus, Jesus gave me power that I did not have myself. If you are here today and you do not know this Jesus, and you've been trying to fix your own life, open your heart to Him now. Because you're never going to be able to fix it. As a matter of fact, the longer you try to do it, the bigger mess you're going to make. The Lord is saying to you today, let it go. Let go of your plans. Let go of your ideas. You cannot save yourself. You cannot rescue yourself from this. You need me. That is what God would say to you this morning. Open your heart to Him. Church, we're going to close this service, but after we do, there are going to be prayer counselors, prayer ministers in the altar to pray with you. Please do not leave this service. If this has touched your life and you want prayer, and I'm going to ask those who are not coming for prayer to be very quiet and and to move out of the audience, out of the auditorium very quickly and quietly. And those of you who need prayer, come quickly before the next service and let us minister to you. If you need Christ, we will be happy to lead you to Christ. But stop running. Do what the video said. Let it go and listen to Him. Thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your spirit that is so real here. Thank you for your word. To your name be all glory and praise and honor forever and ever. And the people of God said, thank you for coming today. God bless you.